the Hawks feel confident in their homework. The biggest part is just getting to know the guys. At 15, it's a good player. I like the group that I believe will be there at 15. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, your host of the Hawks Report and the beat reporter here at the AJC covering the team. And we're really looking forward to chatting with you guys this week. It's a big week. We've got the draft coming up. And it's interesting because the Hawks are at 15. Last week, we kind of touched on, you know, they're in a position where this is where they can get a little bit more talented. But you also can't expect that the person that they pick on Thursday this week is going to be making an immediate impact. But before we touch on what we've got on the plate for you guys this week, if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're going to take a quick break. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada, You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Again, the Hawks are picking at 15. They're also picking at number 46. When we talked to Landry Fields last Friday in his pre-draft media availability, it didn't seem that they completely ruled out the option of moving up in the draft. But I think my biggest takeaway from chatting with him is that this team was very, very comfortable with where they were in this draft and the multitude of guys that they they brought in for workouts. Some of them were announced. You know, I, I'd been tweeting some of those out over the last month and a half. And he also teased that there were some players that they did not announce for whatever reasons, whether that's agents, um, the players didn't necessarily want that to get out. Potentially the Hawks knew that their chances of that per- that player falling to them at 15 were low. There are a ton of reasons why, why teams might not announce all of the players that come in for workouts. But here's what Landry Fields had to say about why he thinks that this group of guys uh, that's in this draft class is a group, uh, is a good bunch. Speaking with them... Uh, in Chicago, in all the interviews, just the collective maturity that maybe maybe it was just the guys that we had a chance to talk to, but even speak with them here, uh, there's something to be said about that. I think I have a theory that these guys going through COVID and having an opportunity to stop and reflect on their life has been a transformative experience. Uh, multiple guys, and this is 
it's not like I've been doing this 20 years, but I've been doing it a few times now where guys are talking about journaling and they're talking about just getting in touch with their true self and all this stuff. Like there's something about that that I think is carrying over and how they carry themselves and they're approaching uh, this whole process has been really, really neat to see. And I, I think it's inter- interconnected with how good they can be as well. Yeah. And I think I, I, I take a little bit of assurance that this group of guys are mature. You can't go through something like a huge pandemic where you have to readjust your expectations for seasons, readjust your expectations just for your outlook on life in general and not come away with some added growth as a person. I think, you know, we saw it kind of last year with the Hawks 16, number 16 pick and AJ Griffin, just how mature he is as a person and just how much he having to deal with the pandemic kind of contributed to him growing up a bit. Um, obviously, there were other factors that I think also contributed to how how mature A.J. Griffin is. But I think that in this year's draft class, I think that also played a part. I mean, Daniel, when you think about what Landry just said and and how introspective some of these guys are and just how they approach things, what kind of confidence does that give you that whoever they do end up picking could be a good pick for this team at number 15. I think it gives me a lot of confidence. I think uh, Michael Cunningham last week when talking, you talked about culture and how that word is, is thrown around a lot. When it comes to any professional sports team, but basketball, I feel like it, it is driven a lot. And you see some teams that the culture is really good and some teams, I think, lack a little bit of that. And I think when front office execs like Landry, Kyle Korver, are evaluating talent, I think it's more than just the talent now. I think even the maturity and the character sometimes could outweigh the talent where, hey, we can we can develop this player on the court, you know, through the first couple of years. But if they are mature and are kind of ready to go and understand the process, then that might be more valuable than actually how good they were uh, with whatever college they're at. So I, I feel like that's, a for me, a good approach for what Landry could be doing heading into Thursday's draft and and I feel like with them having 15 it gives them the leverage for the best available type of selection where they interview a bunch of guys and they have a list of three or four and they rate them based on the character and the talent and if one of those guys is there Mm -hmm. at 15 that's who they're going to go with not necessarily a positional need and when you talked about him not listing some players potentially that worked out for them. I think that also could be if there's a scenario out there where they find a trade partner and they're able to move up that they don't want to tilt their hand a little bit, that they could be looking to move up and they worked out some players that, Mm -hmm. like you said, might not be there at 15, but could be at 10 or 11 if they do find a trade partner. So yeah, that, that answer by Landry, I thought was a, a great one as far as what they're looking for and that they feel confident about selecting someone at, at 15. And I think again, what you're trying to build here with a new front office and with Trey and DeJounte is character and maturity. All that matters. Mm-hmm. And if you get a guy like that at 15 and a talented one, then uh, you'll be in pretty good shape. That's Daniel Salerson, our producer here at the Hawks Report. Trusty handy dandy producer Daniel Salerson. And I think one of the other things that really st- stuck out to me and what you were just talking about is that word culture. And I think that's one of the biggest themes that I've been kind of taking away from one, all of the changes that they made last season with moving on from, you know, 
VP of Basketball Ops, Travis Schlenk, the promotion of Landry Fields, promotion of Kyle Korver to assistant uh, general manager. Then you had them moving on from Nate McMillan, bringing in Quinn Snyder. They're focused on building a culture that's going to be one, not just, uh, all right, we make the championship and we're done. I think they're thinking more in terms of kind of what Golden State did. They they built out through the draft, you know, developed a culture that is a, a perennial winner, except for, you know, touches here and there. And so I think that's the thing that they are looking for is how much upside does the player that they're going to draft at number 15, maybe higher how much of an impact they will have long-term, not just when they come in for the 2023-2024 season, just because I think the biggest takeaway I had from Landry Fields' pre-draft media availability on Friday was that there's no expectation that that player is going to have an immediate impact. I think what we're going to see is they're going to spend a lot of time in College Park with the Skyhawks, the Hawks' G League affiliate, and Landry Field said it himself. They're going to have kind of some spot minutes here and there. They're not going to be like A.J. Griffin who came in and, you know, maybe in the first, you know, 16 or so games, he he didn't necessarily have a lot of minutes. But then after that, when he kind of jumped the rotation ahead of Justin Holiday, who had kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. And AJ kind of took over that spot in the rotation and he kind of took off from there. But, you know, Michael Cunningham and I touched on it last uh, in last week, last week's episode that, you know, toward the end of the season, once they brought Quinn in, those minutes kind of started to, to dwindle a little and Griffin didn't even see the playoffs. I think we saw Jalen Johnson kind of, again, kind of jump into that rotation a little bit more. And even he played spot minutes in the playoffs. So I think the culture that, you know, Quinn Snyder is looking to build, he's looking to develop these players, but he wants a culture that is very much, you know, built on hard work, having a patient approach to to development, and then, you know, rewarding the people who put put in the work earlier in the in their careers and that's not to say again that that player won't be on won't see the court but i think the expectation is that they're just going to take their time in developing whoever it is that they bring aboard and look if you look at the blueprint of what denver did to finally win that championship it was patience with some of their guys michael porter junior dealing with the back injuries coming out of college jamal murray dealing with three straight seasons of not playing a full mm-hmm. tilt of 82 games because of his injuries they drafted a guy like Christian Braun who did enough to contribute for them. Didn't play a ton of minutes, but mm-hmm. the minutes that he did play were impactful for them. With a the new CBA and what you're paying DeJounte and what you're paying Trey, the value of a first-round mm-hmm. pick, I think, becomes more important, especially when you're trying to still have some stability with your team. Because, look, I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnover with the Hawks. And so these draft Mm -hmm. picks are how you build the culture of of building from within. You mentioned Golden State. I mean, they drafted every single one of those guys that helped them lead to a championship in Steph, Clay, and Draymond. So not saying that that's going to happen overnight with with what the Hawks may pick at 15, but with the group of guys that they already have, it is Mm -hmm. potentially adding another, you know, some depth at wherever position that they do draft. But there's also less pressure on this guy to make an impact right away. You develop them the right way, as you mentioned. 
And then he could be a nice player on a rookie scale contract that could help them maybe get to the next level as far as trying to win a championship. So I think they're in a good spot here. They also have the option. I think Thursday could be crazy as far as teams moving up and back, depending on which team you are, that there might be a position where the Hawks to jump in as a third team or the Hawks even to make a trade that they can move up and and either add another first round pick or just Mm -hmm. move up to get closer to a player that they really like. So I mean, the draft is so unpredictable, but yeah, I mean, even though it is pick number 15, I think this is a very important pick for the Hawks. So here's Landry Fields in his own words, telling us uh, how how this team does draft at number 15, especially when they have such a deep roster already. The draft is always the talent acquisition that most likely pans out to be your best players in the future. You know, if you look at star players around the league, they're still with the teams that drafted them. And, you know, you don't necessarily get those types of players at 15, got to go a little higher. But the balance is more so this is our opportunity to get guys with high upside. So it's not necessarily positional need. It's all about Hawks DNA and how they fit into the system that we're building under Quinn and uh, ultimately who they can become as players and the level of players that they can become. Uh, That's all at the forefront of how we're evaluating where we pick or who we pick. So that to me already solidifies what we literally just talked about. But I also think it it signals how much of an of how much thought that they've put into making sure that Quinn Snyder has an active role in in terms of not necessarily making the decisions, but putting in his input and and making sure that. What he's looking for is kept in mind. I think one of the big things, another thing that stood out to me is when, you know, Landry Fields was talking about who he kind of includes in these decision-making um, moments. He he listed out Dotun Akinwale, who's the director of player personnel, Kyle Korver, again, assistant general manager. He mentioned Quinn Snyder. And then he also mentioned Nick Ressler, you know, owner's son. <laughs> But that's not to say that he isn't the final decision maker. I think at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, when the when the Hawks are on the clock, who has to make that call, it's going to be Landry all the way. But he is weighing the the voices of several people. He understands that they want to have that collaborative environment, which is what led to them making all of the changes that they did in the front office and at the coaching level. You know, it just they want to make sure that everybody Everybody's opinions and and perspectives are heard, but Landry ultimately knows that the decision comes down to him. But when he was talking about working with, you know, Quinn Snyder during during kind of like this process, he he said that it's not so much as he gives Quinn Snyder, you know, a list of names. And he's like, all right, tell us the yeses, the noes and the maybes. It's here's a range of players that we're looking at. Can you just you know, watch some of the tape, watch the film and just give us your perspective on, you know, how you see them fitting into the system that you're looking to build. And I think having, a, I guess, a macro approach to it as opposed to just like a yes, no, maybe. I think that's important because it it forces Quinn Snyder to kind of, you know, think through all of the possibilities of how he can fit a guy into what he's looking to build as opposed to just ruling players out absolutely and i think also i'm sure he's a part of not only the workouts but even some of these interviews or maybe he's not and landry kind of gives him the idea of 
what these players are because I think not only does he want to fit what Quinn Snyder is doing on the court, but as we talked about earlier, how is he off the court and what Quinn Snyder is looking for in rookies or young guys that making sure they are coachable, making sure they're ones that take constructive criticism, ones that are okay with not playing 25, 30 minutes a night or having to go up and down from the G League to the NBA squad. So I think every coach has somewhat of an input, but I think it is really important for the GM and the coach to be on the same page where Quinn says, here are the types of players I'm looking for. If Mm -hmm. one of those fits what Landry is also looking for, what he's seen based on his scouting, then they're on the same page. But if it does come to a point where maybe they're not in full agreement on the type of player, I mean, Landry can pull that card of, well, this is who I like. This is who I think could benefit and can go. But I think with what Landry and Quinn have said throughout this entire process since February is cohesion, continuity, communication. Mm -hmm. That's all very important. So I I feel like those two are going to be on the same page when it comes to who they select on Thursday. And I think that's very important for what they're trying to build. So here's Landry feels talking about working with Quinn Snyder throughout this draft process and, and what he's been able to learn over these last few weeks. It's been awesome. It really has. We've been really focused on our coaching staff and getting that whole staff in order. And that's where he's spent a majority of his time. Um, I've given him sort of here, here's a range of guys that I just want you to look into, you know, give me your feedback. And that helps us in our decision-making process. Unity is being, is one of our, our biggest values. And that does not mean alignment all the time. It means an absolute conflict and commit. So we can sit at a table, Here's what everyone has seen. And then ultimately on draft night, when that pick comes, I have to make the decision for us. Of course, the pick, like Landry said, will ultimately come down to him. But he touched on it in his little statement right there. It's ultimately going to be that coaching staff that Quinn Snyder has now brought in. You know, the team announced it last week, who those coaches are. And they're going to be the ones that make or break how this player develops. So, We are going to talk about that, but first, we're going to take a break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time again to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. You guys make this all possible. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution does have a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, like the Hawks report, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and of course, so much more on AJC.com. 
Plus, there is access to our e-paper as well as an assortment of newsletters. You can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. All right. You know, the Hawks added a ton of new faces to Quinn Snyder's bench to kind of support him throughout the season. And and like I said before the break, help to develop not just whoever the Hawks bring in on draft night on Thursday, but the rest of the team. Um, That was one of the big things that we took away from them moving on from Nate McMillan was just that people didn't, the players just didn't feel like there was enough development going on and they just needed a, a change of pace. So the Hawks brought in, and I'm sure a lot of you have already seen through our coverage, but they brought in Brian Bailey. They brought in Igor Kokoshkov. They brought in Mike Bray, Brittany Donaldson, Antonio Lang, Sanjay Lumpkin, Epe Udo, Steve Clay, uh, Jeff Watkinson. They are going to continue building out their player development staff. There are a couple of holdovers from last season and there are a couple of new hires that they brought in, but they're, they're also going to continue filling those out. So they're not done, even though the main assistant coaching staff has been finalized. And I think one of the things that stood out to me, Daniel, about this staff is it's diverse in every sense of the word experience age, gender, race, just everything. So when you as an outsider see such different perspectives that are being added to a coaching staff, what does that tell you about what Quinn Snyder values? He values everyone's opinion as an assistant coach and a player development coach and the trust that he has on all different levels. And I think you you nailed it on the head as far as the diversity that he brought um, in more ways than one. I mean, we look at Mike Bray, I mean, a decorated coach, 23 years with Notre Dame, a very good coach for the Fighting Irish, mm-hmm. bringing the college perspective and player development there. Then you have Kokoshkov, who was a former NBA coach with the Phoenix Suns, so he has head coaching experience, even though Quinn Snyder does too. But, I mean, anytime you have a <laughs> former head coach on your staff, I think that's very valuable. And then a lot of the guys that he trusts uh, when he was with the Utah Jazz, as far as Bailey and you have Donaldson, who has coached uh, not with the Jazz, but Detroit. And um, mm-hmm. most of his staff has coming from Utah when he was there at some point. So it's always important. And, you know, coaches usually do this when they are named a head coach. They pick their own staff. And unfortunately for mm-hmm. those that were before him, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. But at the same time, you want to be comfortable with uh, the people that you're surrounding yourself with every day as far as the trust when it comes to information and what they are doing with certain players. And so I think Quinn getting these men and women on his staff, I think, was very important. And so he worked with what he had last year, and I'm sure he enjoyed working with all those guys. But, you know, it's always time to to make a change. So um, like you mentioned, every single possibility of experience this coaching staff has. I mean, with Udo, too, as a former player, I mean, it wasn't just long ago that he stopped playing basketball. So the fact that you literally... yeah. Yeah, he he retired because he was playing over in Japan, I Mm -hmm. believe. And so he literally just retired from 
from playing. Yeah. And so there's always those players that are interested in becoming coaches. And I think that experience, especially when you are just finished playing, because there are former assistants that played a long time ago and the game has changed completely. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that those coaches shouldn't be assistant coaches, but again, the perspective <laughs> I think changes with the, the players that are coming from just retiring now compared to retiring 20 years ago. So I think Quinn hit every single possibility that he could and every single characteristic for what assistant coaches and player development coaches and video coordinators should be. And I I think it'll Mm -hmm. be exciting to see how this shapes out with the talent that they have now and what they're about to bring in come Thursday and in free agency. For sure. And, you know, when I got a chance to talk to him shortly after the staff had been announced and he said that the the common theme or the common thread that kind of tied all of these coaches and and player development staff that he brought in was that they were all selfless. And that to me says that, yes, they'll be able to be heard, but they'll also understand when, okay, maybe my perspective isn't necessarily the one that is, is not correct, but, needed rather maybe my perspective isn't needed right now maybe so-and-so's perspective is what is going to work for this team in this moment so you know hearing him say that that was kind of what tied them together one that will allow him to kind of balance who he leans on a little bit more in whatever situation you know dictates it at the time but also he I think the common thing was he said we're asking our players to be selfless So why shouldn't our staff kind of lead by example in that? And so I I think that's huge, especially (laughs) in in the sense that you're asking and it's going to come up. You're asking two ball dominant guards to kind of evolve in how they play. And so if they're seeing the coaching staff kind of exemplify that, then, you know, hopefully that will kind of translate into those two guards as development. So like you said, it's going to be interesting. And I I wanted to make one note in that, you know, Brittany Donaldson, she's going to be the first female assistant coach in the history of the Hawks. I think that's a huge deal. And it shows, you know, that the Hawks value different perspectives in terms that we saw it with Becky Hammond in San Antonio. And so, you know, when you have a coach that feels confident in leaning on on that perspective, I think it's really cool to see for for the younger generation that it doesn't necessarily matter what your background is, that you can be of value wherever it is you go, as long as you, you know, fight for yourself, advocate for yourself in that way. Snyder, you know, in our phone call said that he met her at one of his son's basketball camps and so he just kind of got to talking with her and he learned about her and learned about her perspective and it, it it blew him away and so you know it it, it is a, a huge deal that he's willing to kind of open the door for more people of different backgrounds to walk through behind him I think it's also that's a really good story to, sh- to show that you never know who you're going to run into at any situation, yeah. I mean, you're kind of could be in a job interview at a kid's camp and look at how <laughs> that turned out for Brittany. But you're seeing this trend yeah. a little bit more, and I'm glad it's going in the direction where you're starting to see more female assistant coaches throughout the NBA. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. in New Orleans, Teresa Weatherspoon was just let go. But 
she developed yeah. a great relationship with Zion Williamson, a great relationship with some of the other players. We saw on their Instagram, at least for the ones I used to follow, how you mm-hmm. know upset they were that she wasn't going to be a part of the coaching staff next year. But I mean, as decorative a player as Teresa Weatherspoon was, she was really well respected as a coach with the Pelicans. And so you see a few more teams. I think Sacramento has one a female assistant coach as well. So you're starting to see a handful of teams. Yeah. They're starting to, uh, to gravitate towards that. And, and look, I mean, with the WNBA and former players and coaches there, there should be no reason why they can't be at the NBA level because it's the game of basketball. I know there's differences, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the, the knowledge of the game is there. And there's certain ways that they could impact their team in, in more ways than one. So I'm glad that this is the first and and hopefully and it hopefully won't be the last. And um, I think it's a right. good step for Quinn as far as you mentioned the diversity, um, but it is nice to see that there are a lot of staffs that are starting to go in that direction of hiring a female assistant coach. And hopefully again, that, that trend continues to grow. For sure. She's now um, following, you know, the, the Pelicans moving on from Weatherspoon. She's now one of six female assistants in the league. And those are Jenny. I hope I'm saying this right. Jenny Buchek. From the Pacers, Candace Dupree from the Spurs, Lindsey Harding from the Kings, as you just mentioned, Sonia Rahman from the Grizzlies, and Christy Tolliver from the Mavericks. So it's it's great to see, but I, I also think we have to point out just that there are a lot of young people on the staff as well. So in terms of the diversity, you know, with this team being as young as it, as it is, having some young assistants kind of on the support staff uh, as an assistant, I think that has to also help some of the perspectives you touched on how much the game has changed. You have to think that that's also a good reason why Quinn Snyder, you know, kind of took a step in that direction of trying to bringing some younger, younger perspectives, one to kind of, you know, be that relatable factor for him or or relay the message. Um, in a way that maybe he may not necessarily be able to. Um, and that's not to say that Quinn Snyder isn't a relatable guy. We've heard his of his reputation as a player's coach. Um, and so I don't think he'll struggle necessarily in that, but it's always good to kind of have that perspective. And when I talked to him last week, he, you know, had a shout out for Sanjay Lump- Lumpkin, excuse me, Sanjay Lumpkin, um, you know, as you mentioned, he was with him in Utah and came up through the DAV department. And, you know, he he said he just thinks that there he has a really talented group of of coaching staff with him. And so I think we can expect good things from them. Yeah, you're right. Being relatable is really important. You could have a, a hard nosed coach that is really old school in his approach with discipline and that might not resonate with players these days Mm -hmm. as far as what gets them going so to have young coaches on the staff with these young players to kind of relate and where a coach can maybe put not say put Quinn in check but like hey this is kind of what the player is feeling this is kind of how he is responding to this maybe we should go try a different approach and I feel like Quinn Mm -hmm. seems like he has an open mind where that's where he's going to rely on his coaching staff to be honest with him when some players might not be responding to the type of coaching or if there's times where the player doesn't agree with how many minutes 
he's getting under under Quinn and that maybe these coaches can kind of give the perspective of why Quinn thinks this way. And here's where you can maybe earn some more mm-hmm. minutes. Again, all that from top to bottom, it's important how you put your staff together, not only for how you're relating to players, but the offensive and defensive strategy, you know, when these coaches are mm-hmm. going to be assigned scouting reports for particular games, you know, what they've seen based on their previous experience, especially with, what they've seen when they were with the jazz or, you know, again, Mike Bray, who's coached for 23 years, knows a lot of yeah. different players from when he coached, whether he was coaching against them or coached with them at Notre Dame. So again, there's, there's old school approach here. There's new school approach. It's a melting pot on his staff. And I feel like that's going to be really important when it comes to the regular season beginning in October. For sure. And I think, you know, they're going to want to come out of, the gate strong, especially after the regular season the Hawks had. Um, now you have a full season with this staff, so that's going to add some stability that clearly this team lacked last season. And another way that they'll likely get some stability is just what they decide to do in free agency. Of course, they it's going to be tough just because of the financial situation that the Hawks are in. They have a lot of money that's kind of split around several different players. So obviously there's time still that they can shed some some of that salary if they do decide to make some deals ahead of the draft on draft night, whichever it is. And so we'll see what that has to, we'll see what happens with that. But I think the big thing is that this draft will at least give maybe the Hawks a sense of how they need to move in free agency. So here's what Landry Fields had to say. We do have a lot of depth. Like I, you know, we got guys that weren't playing towards the end of the year that were playing early on in the year. And because the NBA is a business that changes all the time, variables change all the time, whether it's injury trades or just the nature of the beast, it's, uh, it's less about positional need and more about the talent and the fit. So there's plenty of work that, the Hawks still need to do, and I think draft night will be the start of us kind of having an idea of what that work will entail. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one, I think, on Thursday. I think there's going to be a lot of action, just the way things are even developing right now over the weekend with the Chris Paul trade, with Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. the rumors of number two and number three, what direction Charlotte might go. And what direction Portland might go if they're going all in and trying to keep Dame or if it's time for them to move on and what they can get from them between the floating rumors with New Orleans, who picks right before the Mm -hmm. Hawks as far as are they going to move up and trade one of their two pieces? So the Hawks may stay at number 15, but I don't know if that order is going to stay the same one through 14 when it comes to Thursday's draft. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to see what the Hawks do, but also seeing I love a little chaos and I feel like we might get a little bit of that on Thursday night. Yeah, Daniel, I think it, it is going to be interesting and we'll see come Thursday or even Friday morning when we have our recap show to go over what happened on Thursday. I'm excited to see, but thank you guys so much for listening in. Again, you can tune in and hear Daniel and I again. Maybe another voice we'll see uh, on Friday morning of the Hawks Report for a special post-draft episode. This is the Hawks Report. I'm Lauren Williams, and thank you for listening. 
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.